unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Coming up on this episode, we will put a cap on the 2021 Major League Baseball season, culminating with the Atlanta Braves winning the World Series. My baseball guys, Jay Cresswell and Joe Finger, are standing by in the virtual green room. They will join me in just a few moments to recap the entire baseball season. But first, so it was 30 years ago that Magic Johnson had uh, disclosed that he had HIV. And, you know, when you go back to that time in the early 1990s, you know, in the late 1980s, HIV was, you know, uh, just a, a scary, scary situation out there. And Magic Johnson coming forward was uh, very interesting. It was like the world stopped for a few moments. <laughs> it stopped rotating. And and it was news that was, you know, a shock and riveting at, at the same time. And as you may or may not remember, if you're old enough to remember, you know, uh, the, the the league's players, you know, they were they were afraid of having contact with Magic Johnson in any way, shape or form. Uh, so, you know, it, he was, you know, stepping away from the season. He uh, did ultimately get uh, voted to the 1992 NBA All-Star Game here in Orlando, and he played for the first time in some time, and <laughs> played spectacularly. It was just like a, you know, a storybook type of scenario. And in fact, I even remember vividly uh, as the game was ending and I was walking to go to the media area where the uh, the players would be afterwards, and as I'm walking back behind the bench, uh, the media bench near half court, Magic, towards the end of the game, throws up a long three-pointer over Isaiah, and it goes in. And, you know, that's one of those moments you kind of stop, and it still goes in slow motion when you remember it. You know, lots of things, you know, have, you know, progress has, I guess, been made in the, uh, the fight against AIDS and HIV. Uh, you know, Magic Johnson certainly has the resources you know, uh, to, to battle this uh, situation. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was a very, very interesting time when all that took place. College football playoffs first poll came out. Ooh, what a shock. Cincinnati didn't make the top four. <laughs> hey, UCF knows all about that. You know, yeah, you know, you have a great season. Hey, go undefeated again. We'll get, we'll, you know, we'll think about putting you in. Yeah, not so fast. That, they have really just set this up to be a, a, a situation where they cannot win no matter how much they win. You know, they haven't had big style points the last couple of weeks after having a couple of weeks of big style points. And you shouldn't have to hold a team to a standard of blowing people out. That's ridiculous. Wins are wins. And you know, the fact that they were put sixth, you know, the number two in the AP poll, they were put sixth. So you know the fix is in. You know, they're behind a team in Ohio State that has a loss. Oregon has a loss to a sub-500 team, but because they beat Ohio State, they're ahead of them. Just total BS was really what it comes down to. And I don't care what happens. Teams above them lose. They will find a way. Somebody will leapfrog them. They're not going to get in. 
It's just the way the system's set up. And hopefully as the expansion talks uh, heat up again this week, get us to 12, for God's sakes. Please get us to 12. And we start rewarding conference champions. And not eliminate good teams from contention. And they're not even being considered, which is certainly a crime. And, of course, uh, Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, I'm not going to waste a lot of time talking about him and his COVID situation. Except to say, I hope Jordan Love kicks ass this weekend. All right, it's time to put a cap on the 2021 Major League Baseball season. As we talk about the Braves winning the World Series. Yes, I'm going to fanboy a lot on this show. (laughs) Joining me now to talk about the entire season. What we thought was great, not so great. And of course, all the headlines. We have my baseball guys, Joe Finger and Jay Cresswell. Gentlemen, thanks for being here. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having us, Jeff. Yes. Yeah, if you, yes, it is a little bit of a sad time as we talk about the end of the baseball season. By the way, Jay, the last baseball show I did, I know you were traveling, so I asked Joe to pitch a complete game, and he came through. He went the distance. More than three innings? <laughs> uh, five and two thirds. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you got me all choked up there. All right, so it must not have been a major league game, is what you're saying. That's right. Yes. Not it's, these days. There yeah. was no opener. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah, that, that's that's usually job that falls to me, and I usually fall short in that regard. So, that said, uh, we're here to talk about the uh, the the culmination of the baseball season, and um, I still can't believe the Atlanta Braves won the World Series. It's uh, been such a uh, a surreal run that has taken place uh, uh, over the, over the course of the postseason and the last half of the season. Um, and let me start you off with some numerology in case you haven't heard this. The Braves won 44 games before the All-Star break, 44 after the break, in the 44th week of the year. In the year that Hank Aaron passed away. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you never know how numbers are going to work out, right? I know. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, so let's get your thoughts uh, on on what we saw in this postseason. Uh, Jake, lead us off. You know, um, I don't want to give away any clues for what we're going to talk about later about our top stories of the year. But I was just happy to see competitive baseball, regardless of the size of teams' payrolls. You know, um, and frankly, when it came down to it, just to see, you know, those uh, Northeastern uh, American League teams fall off and be out of it, you know, whether it was one game or an entire series, and to see a team like the Braves, who went through all that injury adversity throughout the seri- uh, season, and have Charlie Morton break his leg and, uh, you know, go up against uh, the uh, – I'll just call them the Astros. And uh, to see that kind of result after a full 162-game season, it just felt really good to finally have that kind of baseball back. Joe, what do you think? 
Pretty amazing finish, Jeff. I know the last time we talked and Jay was traveling, uh, you know, as you said, when we last spoke, but I think we agreed at that time that even though nobody would have given the Braves much of a chance, say at the midseason point, uh, rolling into the playoffs, uh, I think we had a feeling that they were going to be pretty tough. And so yeah. I remember saying that I, I didn't think it was a surprise that they beat Milwaukee and if you'd better watch out, uh, you know, they could, could make a great run. And that's exactly what they did. I, uh, speaking of numerology, um, the Braves had the worst record of any of the 2021 playoff teams with only 88 victories. I believe the Minnesota Twins had the worst record of any playoff team back in 87 with only 87 victories. I always have to get a Twins reference in there. Of course. Good, but, it's not, <laughs> but it's not how you start, but it's how you finish. Uh, they're only the fourth World Series champ to be below 500 at the All-Star break and come back to win. They didn't surpass the 500 mark until August 11th, the wow. latest of any World Series participant, let alone World Series champion, to ever do that. So it was a great finish. It all came together. And as to why that happened, I had a great quote from your manager uh, who'd been with the organization for 39 years. Brian Snicker said, I've always said the team that has that little boy in them are the teams that do good in the postseason. I really believe that. I think the team that just plays with emotion and enjoys what they're doing in the postseason is really, really dangerous. And, of course, mm -hmm. it helps to have some great talent along the way. But I think the Braves probably personified that as I got to know that team a lot better. You know, I kind of mm -hmm. follow them, you know, but I really got to know the team a lot better coming down the stretch. And they certainly seem to embody uh, what, what uh, Snicker was talking about there. And it, and it took them all the way to the end. Yeah. You know, what I find interesting, too, is, you know, and I know we spoke about, you know, people not giving them a chance and whatnot. And that was kind of prevalent throughout the series. And I felt good going into game six because every time they took a loss, they responded. Yeah. You know, when 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 the Dodgers won game three, it was like, oh, and the way they did it. Oh, the Braves will never recover from that. And they came back the next night. It took three one. Then, you know. The Dodgers get game five. Oh, uh, see, here we go. They got 3-1 in their heads again. It's not, they're not going to finish. And they responded. And again, just, you know, right after the Astros, even the series, and they were going home. Now, Braves are done now. <laughs> that's that's That seemed to be the uh, the perception I was hearing. Well, uh, that, that was the narrative, right, for the city of Atlanta. How many times yes. have they been in the postseason? About 16 straight times without winning a, uh, a World Series, which I, I'm sure must have been some type of a record, so... Seventeenth time was the charm. Yeah, yeah. That gush of the gush of wind you uh, you heard was the uh, uh, all the Atlanta fans letting out their sigh of relief at the same time. <laughs> well, you know that's true <laughs> because yeah, they were that they were gripping, and you know, and and you know, the Braves are my only Atlanta team, but I was gripping too. Uh, but uh, again, I felt good going into Game Six, and you got to talk about the job Max Fried did. Uh, wow. You know, uh, first of all, you know, they get the big home run from uh, Jorge Soler. Jay, did that land in your neighborhood up in your yes, house? Yes, I thought I saw something go by the roof of the house. And there's no one. Absolutely crushed it. Hey, speaking of that, uh, it's the one I'm thinking of. Um, Garcia kept throwing him a bunch of off speed pitches, um, pretty effective. But John Smoltz was saying, hey, Soler looks like he's starting to time up these pitches. And he needs to maybe throw a fastball or something. And I think it was maybe the next pitch, maybe the second pitch after that. And Solaire absolutely crushed it. So Smoltz nailed it. I'm thinking, well, he's going to throw him a fastball. 
because if Soler gets a hold of it, I mean, this guy looks like a monster the way he's, you know, with all the musculature and boy, I, he absolutely crushed that baseball. Yeah. And, is becoming Tony Romo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they did say that on Braves radio as well. Cause I had, that, I, I, mean, I had that audio up in the, in the, in the, in the broadcast. Uh, and then to me, Max free getting that shutdown inning right after really to me was key. Yeah. But look at it this way. Uh, um, we all knew he had the talent, and it, it showed most times during the season when he was out there. But when it really, really, really mattered, it's exactly what they needed. That's what they got. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the Braves bullpen throughout the playoffs was 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 phenomenal. Tyler Massick, to me, you could probably name him the MVP of the entire playoffs. Yeah. Uh, you know, what he did in the Dodgers series. Uh, inheriting a huge mess. He, in fact, I think did he? I don't think he allowed an inherited base runner to score during the playoffs. Uh, no, in, in fact, in the Dodge, Dodger series is when I said, "Who is this guy?" Yeah, you know. <laughs> and uh, you know that that bullpen, the first three months of the season, <laughs> not exactly something to build confidence no, around. No, no, but boy, did they really? Did they really show up when it counted at the end? Yeah, you know, they, they totally did. You know, other than the Luke Jackson hiccup uh, early in the series, uh, they they uh, got they got past that. Uh, but, you know, I, I you know, Will Smith, uh, you know, to me was uh, was very shaky during the season at times. Mm-hmm. In fact, and I will admit this when he came on to close games during the playoffs, I could not watch. <laughs> I could not watch. So I'm going to wait for the alert to come over the phone and yes. then won the game. Yeah. And, then, and then I'll throw everything back up. <laughs> you know, we've all had relief pitchers probably on our teams over the years that we felt that way about it. Like, oh, no, I know this guy's got a great arm, but man, there's no, it's like I'm always losing sleep over this guy. And you had told me about Smith, but it's not the Will Smith you described, Jeff. I'm thinking, nope. I don't know what he was doing earlier, but man, he was pretty much lights out. Well, and speaking of the Braves, I had that same feeling, oh, I don't know, about a guy named Stan Belinda many years ago. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember did. the name. <laughs> yes, uh, I remember him as well. Um, yeah, so, you know, the bullpen was, was, was huge in this series. And then, obviously, we have to talk about the trade deadline acquisitions because that's really what turned the season around uh, after they lost uh, Ronald Acuna, the four guys that they plugged in getting one of them back in Adam Duvall, uh, who, who they already knew, um, you know, that really turned out to be such a, such an amazing, you know, I, I cannot recall a GM making that many moves to resurrect his team like that. Well, yeah, I, think, the, I think no, no. I was just going to say, yeah, I agree, Jeff. I, th- I don't, I don't think there, you've seen anything like it, and, and, and all for the bargain price of ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I was going to add in there. I yeah, mean, yeah. they didn't mortgage the future. They didn't go out and sign someone to a ten-year, uh, four hundred million dollar contract. They made the moves that were needed for the team, and obviously, the team. Uh, you know, the team had the confidence in the management that they were going to do something like that and help them out. And look at what happened. Yeah. And I think interestingly enough, too, is, you know, they picked up, you know, guys who had specific talents and, and pieces of the puzzle. You know, they didn't, you know, go, you know, they didn't go after Rizzo. You know, they're, right. you know, they're going guys who maybe the next uh, uh, level down. But, you know, they had to they had to have some death in the outfield because, you know, at one point, you know, they had Heredia and Abraham Almonte in the outfield. And yeah. while they're nice 
complimentary players. They're not frontline guys. Yeah, they're four and five in the outfield, basically. Yeah, exactly right. So now let me ask you this: um, How bold of a move was that, considering the brave getting all these players? Considering, or, or how counterintuitive, I guess you would say, was it? considering the Braves were in the National League East. I mean, yeah, they, they weren't doing a whole lot, but neither was anybody else. So, you know, it was there for the taking. And so to me, kind of in hindsight, yeah, great move, but it makes perfectly good sense now, especially for, for the price they got. And they didn't give up any key prospects, and they got experienced players. Um, yeah. Rosario became the, the MVP in the Dodgers series and Solera yeah. in the World Series. I mean, it couldn't have worked out much better. Yeah, and you know, and I think they were four and a half back uh, when they started uh, uh, making the acquisitions. Uh, you know, four and a half back. I mean, we've seen some teams wave the flag. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it's a uh, uh, pretty amazing stuff. And, and again, I think just the the culmination of the pieces. Now, you know, will they bring any of these guys back? Because uh, they're all going to be a free agents yeah yeah but well, they got really, one but they got one important for you jeff <laughs> but they got one important free agent to take care of first in freddie freeman Fred yeah. Yeah, yeah only the most important one yeah and, and to me that i can't see him playing anywhere else no nope. uh, uh you know is is entrenched as he is um you know and and i hate to say this because you know we 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 do you know it happens all the time where he talks about, you know, what what great guys people are and all that. And then we find out later, you know, that they're despicable human beings, uh, you know, based on, you know, you, because we've only seen them on TV. We don't know them personally. But, right. you know, everything you see about Freddie Freeman and you hear about Freddie Freeman. Um, Joe Simpson was interviewing him on Braves Radio going into the dugout. And 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 he's and just as Freddie's leaving, he goes, "I love you, Joe." <laughs> you know his E sixty about you know adopting or having kids. It was just spectacular. Well, all the E sixties are very good, but it just really showed you what kind of guy he is. Um, and it's like you said, if you didn't know it already, you know now what kind of human being that guy is, not to mention how great a player he is. Yeah, no question. But I think we got kind of a kumbaya moment for the whole team, the, the vibe I'm getting. And, I, you know, I know sometimes kind of after a big win like that, you, you, you get a certain amount of exaggeration. But uh, to hear people who are on the inside talk about it, these guys really came together, pulled for each other and, um, you know, re really – came together with tremendous cohesion down the stretch and uh, they're a very likable team, you know, um, you know, I don't care who you are. Uh, to me, it seems like they're a very likable team. And unless you're just pulling for a certain team, I mean, this, this would be a great, a great moment to celebrate for, for a lot of baseball fans, not just Braves fans. Yeah. It's very hard to be cynical about them um, because, you know, it tends to be, um, and I'm as guilty of this as anyone, you tend to root against somebody or you root for someone to do poorly, whether it's an individual or player, you can't feel that way about the Braves. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and we'll get to the, the the opposite of that with the Astros in a moment. Uh, because, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, because, you know, that's definitely where the a topic we're covering. But, you know, you talk about the team coming together and all that. And it's interesting now, you know, we now see in baseball when guys get base hits, you know, every team now has a, has a little celebratory gesture they yes. do. So the Braves have the little sword thing, which was interesting because, you know, last year when they had Marcel Ozuna, they used to do the mix it up. Yep. And after Ozuna's troubles, they abandoned that <laughs> immediately. 
Uh, dude, which, which, which says a lot because, you know, they could have caught some heat for that. But, it's all uh, about the optics. It's yes. all about the optics. Yes. Yeah, it, it totally is, you know, and and I, you know, I, I've seen some teams, they do the, you know, the like they, they do this, like, you know, uh, like people can see us on the podcast, but uh, uh, but you you guys know what I'm doing. You know, yeah. they, shake their, they shake their hands like it's too hot or, you know, something along that line. So, you know, you see the way that 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 they celebrate and how they how they, you know, just have this passion. Uh, I think that does speak to the likability. Oh, absolutely. And you know, you know, we don't hear anyone complaining about bat flips or showing up the picture, anything like that. And I'm, I don't want to get into that territory, but you don't have that with that team. They're just yeah. about winning for themselves and winning for their fans. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, you know, Brian Sicker said that as well, you know, that they, yeah. they just shut everything out and, you know, just concentrated on their business. Um, so let's, let's visit the other side of the fence. You know, the Astros, uh, certainly with their cheating scandal, uh, have become, you know, the, the hated and and to some degree, rightfully so. Yep. And it's interesting, you know, so I heard somebody make the point, you know, they've they've lost World Series now on the home turf, not having the ability to, to tip pitches. <laughs> you know, I, I that's the, maybe one of the first things I said was they won the one they cheated. And this kind of cements the fact that they had to do it to win. Now, that may not be true. I mean, they lost a six-game World Series. They're a very good team. You know, they made it to the World Series in a very in a very tough American League. But I, I think this is karma, maybe, if karma even exists in baseball, um, that the team that cheated when they couldn't, just like you said, Jeff, couldn't get it done. Joe, what do you think? I, I'm going to go with the karma thing, uh, it, you know, just because it's, it, it just makes sense. Um, but realistically, I think that, you know, you gotta give, you got to give the Astros credit for continuing to play extremely well. Uh, they've yep. been right there at the end more than any other team probably in the last four or five years. But I think they were beaten by a better team. Yes. Really, uh, it's what it boils down to. And the Braves are one of the best teams coming down the stretch. They beat the Dodgers. They beat the Brewers. Beat – Three teams, all of whom have won more than 95 games. I don't know if that's ever ha happened before. And uh, I just had a sense that the Braves were going to do it this year. Um, tipping pitches or not, I mean, you know. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, let's focus on, I'd say, you know, the Braves were simply the better the better team this year. And, I, you know, I mean, look, Altuve uh, said in that last game that Max Fried was virtually unhittable. Let's give credit where credit is due. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, you know, and so they they knew. I think they knew they were beaten. They shut out twice. I mean, the Braves pitching shut down a very good hitting team twice. Yeah. Much like much like what the Astros did to the Red Sox. You know, the yes. Red Sox were in the American League, came in and scoring tons of runs, and then all of a sudden, pitching. Houston just turned it on and shut them down. So you know, that's baseball for you. You get your pitchers working well. Got that bullpen uh, being used strategically, and wow! And the Braves hit the home runs. It, you know, the long ball, great pitching. The Astros, I think Altuve had the only two um, home runs in the series for Houston. Yeah. yeah. Also, you know, the, go, ahead. go ahead, Jeff. No, go ahead, Jay. Go ahead. You, it's your turn. I was going to say also the Astros also have some free agent decisions to make in the offseason. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be key for them, too. And, you know, and, you know, and Altuve, you know, who certainly is kind of like the the face of the team, especially for people who dislike the Astros. 
um, you know, he's a heck of a ball player. Yes. He's probably one of those guys you, you know, I kind of, you know, I kind of felt this way about Jock Peterson. He's, you know, he, he's one of those guys you hate when he's on the other team, but boy, when he's on your side of the fence. Yeah. He's a winner. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I guess the other thing that probably hurt the Astros too, uh, you know, uh, Pitching was going to be tough for them, and losing McCullers was a big bullet to them, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, um, when it came time for them to find something to plug in there, they didn't have it. The Braves did. And yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think that's true. I think the Astros staff at one point, I'm thinking, man, they, these guys are just burnt up. And yes. where the Braves were strategically, and I thought that, that gave the Braves an edge as we neared the end of the series. And that, that is kind of how it played out, especially in that last game. Seven nothing. I mean, it was no contest. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, if you would have told me before the series start that the Braves are going to throw back-to-back bullpen games, split them, and be up, Three two going into Game Six. I just I just signed up for that. <laughs> yeah, yo, yeah, absolutely. They were just uh, positioned to, to uh, have a better outcome than the Astros at that point. Yeah, and of course, you know, uh, I certainly feel bad for uh, Dusty Baker. I mean, I would have been okay and happy for him if the Astros would have won the World Series because you know he's a very good manager. You know, and sometimes uh, you know very good managers don't win the World Series. Uh, you know, Bobby Cox only got one. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna point. say with Atlanta. Know, yeah, uh, yeah. Dusty yeah, yeah. has done well wherever he's gone, but he can't get over the top. And like, and I was gonna say like the '90s Braves for the for the most part. Yeah, um, and I don't know that that's his fault. <laughs> you know, with all the talent he had in San Francisco, and when the Cubs were good, and the Reds were good when he was there, and the Nationals were had the talent when he was there, they just have not been able to get over the top. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely would have liked to. Uh, I would have been happy for him at least in that respect, and you know, and he should get his due as a as a as a good as a very good manager, uh, regardless. And speaking of happy, uh, I will just say Ron Washington. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, he finally got his World Series championship. Yes, yes. A former twin, former twin, Ron Washington. Most yes. people refer to him as such, but I remember him back when he was a, a utility infielder with the Twins. And, of course, Jay, very familiar with his days at the, at the helm of the Rangers. Yeah, they had good teams. They couldn't get over the top. Yeah, yeah so, yeah, so the, it is amazing, you know, uh, you know, it's almost like, you know, the six degrees of separation, uh, the way baseball yeah. is and, and things like that. So that, that is definitely a, a, one thing to think about. I got a little something uh, on Ron Washington. I found a little something about him. Uh, this, this is what I found. He's 69 years old. So, you know, he's been around forever as well. This article I read said he, he is notoriously foul mouthed. I mean, this guy can let, can let it fly. Um, but once you get to know him, you know, he's, he's kind of got that soft side. And it, and it says here that almost every day, Washington would read Braves players a quote, an idea, a belief, an inspirational message. And on August 20th, as the seedlings roots matured with the new players on board, Washington wrote a word on a piece of paper. And that word was love l-o-v-e i am not making this up and the players embrace that and they admit they embrace that yeah so yes you got all these alpha males as most a lot of professional sports figures are but you know they got in touch with a different side and that you know i like to think that had something to do with it as well yeah the, the players love him wherever he yeah. is yeah no he definitely is uh, an outstanding uh, baseball man 
through and through. So yeah, uh, definitely a guy we could be happy for with that. So one of the things that uh, that I find difficult in the playoffs is the length of games. And yeah. you know, we talk about it during the regular season and it multiplies during the postseason. Um, and you know, the the East Coast gets killed with the eight o'clock start because you're going you're going midnight and beyond. Um, you know, I wish I knew what the answer was. Uh, you guys have any great suggestions? Well, Eliminate all, commercials? Did you, <laughs> did, did you stay up and watch every game to the end, Jeff? Not every game, no. No? No, well, I did. His team was in it. Yes, my team was <laughs> in it. Now, I did stay. Now, when they when they lost the game 9-5, to five, I bailed out it, it, in the eighth inning. Um, uh, you know, Friday and Saturday night games I did okay with. Sunday night. I had the two TVs set up watching the Cowboys and the Braves, <laughs> doubling my stress level. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so I made it made it all the way through there, and then I made it obviously all the way through Game Six. Uh, but you know, throughout the throughout the series, it, it's tough. It 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 really is. I you know I just. I wish there was an answer that I could immediately come up with. I mean, you know, we've talked about the pitching clock forever. But it never gets past spring training. No, uh, you right. know, uh, you know, TV's got to get their money, uh, so they've got they've got the commercial breaks, and and of course now they're even squeezing them in between pitches. Yeah, well, yeah, split screen. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know it, and and I get you don't want to rush pitchers in tense moments of the game. Yeah, because uh, there's more at stake than you know a game in you know early May, uh, you know, but the length of games is, is a challenge. You know, I would look at the clock. I'm in the central time zone and it would be, you know, nine something and it's the fourth inning or the fifth inning. And I went, this game isn't even half over and it's past 10 o'clock in the East. You know, what kid, sorry, is going to be able to stay up to watch this game. It's the world series. Joe, how how much of it do you think is uh, the the evolving use of the the bullpen? Where, like in this series, I think every almost every game, each team used five or six pitchers. I mean, yeah. one game I saw like fifteen pitchers out there, which means you know, fifteen pitching changes, a lot of pinch hitting, things um, like that. Um, I, you know, if, if guys are you know coming in for clean innings, that's that negates that a little bit. But you yeah. know, but you know. Now later in the series, when when things really really matter and, and they're starting to change pitchers for matchups, but, just yeah. hoping to get out of a situation, but, but that yeah, does but play been, a factor. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, but we've been talking about the length of game issue long before yes. we started going with openers and all, all the bullpen becoming the focal focal point. You know, I don't know, guys. I don't. I don't have an easy answer to that. I mean, it's like if I'm in school and I'm trying to make an A on a test, don't rush me. You know, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna get my A, and if, if I'm the last one out of the room, so be it. That's and the goal. On some level, that's kind of yeah. what's going on here. I don't know how you uh, do it otherwise, especially in I you know. I have a here. very brief and unpracticable idea, and this has been uh, passed around. You need to limit the number of pitchers on the roster to twelve or eleven, and you've got teams with fourteen. And so they only have four bench players, you know, if you, but then again, you can't do that unless your starters are going to start going seven or eight innings. 
Okay. Well, or all your relievers are not situational guys. They're innings eaters. And then you have to have a lefty and a righty who are innings eaters. And, oh, my goodness, they pitched two innings tonight. I can't use them for a week. You know, uh, <laughs> and, you know, you can't change the philosophy. So I think maybe if you force it with numbers, it might change a little bit. But I'm, I'm, I don't think that's the answer to shorten the games. Let me, do- let me dovetail on that uh, a little bit. Uh, some talk about, and there's always talk about going to the universal DH yeah. rule. And an idea that I hadn't been all that familiar with until recently was, and maybe you guys know more about it, is uh, the, the double hook rule with the DH. Have you guys heard of that? No. Okay, so that would be, if we go to the universal DH, um, you would, it's kind of a hybrid uh, type rule. You would force a team, a team would forfeit its use of the DH once their starting pitcher leaves the game, uh, which would, the idea being would emphasize the importance of longer stints from pitchers. And it, that's, you know, I had not heard that too much until just recently. They actually tried it out, I think, in one of the lower, maybe single A leagues somewhere this year. Um, and I'm, I was thinking, hmm, that would, that would create some interesting strategy, really. Strategy? Aren't we trying to eliminate that by having the DH? <laughs> so it's like we trade one evil for another. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a that's an intriguing you know possibility. I mean, you know the the, the three batter rule for a guy coming in well, during the course yeah. of an inning. Yeah. Um, you know, it's I, I guess we've kind of gotten used to that now um, to some degree. So but I don't think it's done. Four. But it's done nothing to speed up the game. No. Yeah, I don't even think about it, but you're right. You still get these long games. Yeah, that's a that would be intriguing. So you'd have the DH. Probably not going to happen, but no. Yeah, think about uh, it. Though. No, I don't. I don't think the players' associations would sign off on that. Exactly. Any <laughs> any amount. Well, of maybe it's a uh, combination of things. Twelve pitchers on a roster. It's now a four batter minimum. You have the double hook rule now. Of course, none of these will ever happen. That's right. Maybe there's some you know middle ground there where everything settles out, and the games are then only three and a half hours. <laughs> Plus, throw in the pitch clock and make the batter stay in the box. <laughs> Forgot about both of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because when that was supposed to be the big deal two two or three years ago, batters are going to stay in the box. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. that, that lasted what. One month. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching the uh, a replay of the 71 All-Star game earlier this year. I think we even talked about that game, the game with Reggie Jackson. That game uh, went just barely over two hours. I actually sat down and, and went through it on a YouTube. And I think this thing is just zooming along. And there was a fair amount of scoring. And, you know, you're changing pitchers in the All-Star game. Not as much back then as today, but still, you, you know, you had different pitchers coming in. And, boy, that game was over in no time. And they used all the players. (laughs) Quite a few. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Yeah. uh, But it is – to me, it's a challenge that that, that hurts baseball uh, from, you know, you're talking about kids not being able to watch a championship. You know, it's – Well, the attention span of mankind as we know it is compromised anyway. (laughs) That's it. Well, look at it this way. Even us in our advanced age – um, have attention span problems now. Oh, we're used to getting everything right now. Fast yep. forward through that. I mean, I, I would say to myself, I can't sit through this. I mean, I love baseball is my favorite sport. I pay for the 
extra innings package, even though my team is awful because I love baseball, but I just can't sit through it. Yeah, that says a lot. I hear you. Yeah, that says a lot. Yeah, we definitely are a microwave society (laughs) in a a lot of ways. So uh, I asked you guys uh, to do a a little prep. Uh, Wanted to get your three favorite things from the 2021 baseball season. Which one do you guys want to go first? Go ahead, Joe. Well, yeah, I I kind of took your invitation as kind of open ended. I mean, there there are some obvious favorite overall global kinds of things. You know, certainly the Braves winning the World Series would be one of them. Uh, Otani hitting home runs, stealing bases, pitching shutouts. We've talked about that. But I went back and I tried to find some quirky or off the beaten path kinds of things, at least for me, things that I hadn't necessarily paid all that much attention to um, at the beginning. And so one of them I liked was, you know, the, the number of no hitters we had this year was we had nine no hitters. Uh, and I'm just getting into the quirkiness of baseball. And I'll eventually get around to what the actual event was. But nine no hitters. Three of them were against the Cleveland Indians. And Zach Plesak started all three of those games in which the Indians were no hit. Wow. Which, which ties a major league record, but actually it sets a major league record because the only other guy that I know of, based on my research, who was the starting pitcher on the losing end of his team being no hit was Jim Perry, brother of Gaylord, who Gaylord. pitched for the for the mainly for the Minnesota Twins and a little bit and a little bit with Cleveland back in the you know 60s through early 70s but his three um you know inauspicious games in which he was the uh, other pitcher in a no-hit game uh, did not all occur in the same season oh, that, right. he was over a period of years uh Plesak did it all in one in one season and he just kind of shakes his head now says i don't know what was going on that anyway, that, rem- that reminds me of the old skip carry line he should sue his teammates for non-support well if, ever there was a, if ever there was a case for that but probably my favorite no hitter was the one from um august 14th tyler gilbert for the woeful arizona diamondbacks in his first major league start actually threw a no hitter yep 102 pitches to beat the padres who at that time were playing pretty still playing pretty well a pretty good team and walk three struck out five and you know he'll never top that i mean that's like you know the marquee of his career yes right there which uh, by the way, he became the fourth pitcher in Major League history to throw a no-hitter in his first Major League start, joining these illustrious three, all of whom I'm sure we've talked about many times before, Theodore Brennenstein in 1891. Oh, Bumpus, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember him. Bumpus <laughs> Jones from 1892 and Bobo Holloman from 1953. Oh, so, I love Bobo. Yeah, Bobo. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, and one last thing on this. I know I'm beating this one to death. but No, this is great. Diamondbacks manager Lovello, the Tor- uh, Tory, told reporters after this, he says, you know, it's a great moment. You know, Tyler Gilbert goes out and does what he did. For me, it's what Major League Baseball or the game of baseball is all about. As long as you have a uniform, as long as you give the right effort, anything is possible. Guys, I'm going to buy me a Twins uniform, and I'm going to spring training next season for an <laughs> open tryout with the Twins because anything is possible. 
course, that's, you can, the, that's a bunch of malarkey too, right? So, <laughs> you can become the manager and they'll make a movie about it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be uh, on the field of dreams one day, right? That's good. All right. So was that all three encapsulated? I was, I was, a, little, I was a little long-winded there. You can count that as one, two, or all three if you want. No, to. no, give us three. I, I, Are you going to want me to go more? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm, this is one from the Twins. Uh, a, a horrible game they played on, and I do remember this. I didn't have to go back and research this. April 21st, um, before the season went belly up on the Twins, they were playing Oakland. Oakland was riding a hot streak at the time. They had that long winning streak early in the, early in the year. I forget what it was, like 12 games or something. Looked like the Twins were going to finally snap the A's winning streak. They were up 10-7, going to the bottom of the ninth uh, in Oakland. They had about two or three chances to put the game away in the bottom of the ninth only to flub it. Oakland tied the score at 10, 10. One of those, one of those miscues was when uh, our friend, Mr. Donaldson, the third yep. baseman had, took a, re- a routine grounder to the third and could not get the ball out of his glove. It just stuck in his glove, you know, and that allowed to keep that inning going and Oakland ended up tying at 10, 10. We go to the 10th inning, uh, which is a dreadful inning for the twins. They, they lost for like first seven or eight times. They went to extra innings this year. They lost. Byron Buxton hits a two-run homer in the top of the 10th, 12-10 Minnesota. Twins have their closer, Alex Coloman. Uh, he's, he's, he's either going to close it for the Twins or he's going to close it for the other team. But there's so he's a run, true closer. going to be run scored either way. Yeah. Right? So he's got the bases loaded, two outs, still up 12-10. All we need is a little ground ball or something. Okay, a little ground ball to second base. I mean, I could have fielded this, and I was never a great baseball player. Um, this would have been for the third out. Travis Blankenhorn called up from the minors, boots the ball. I mean, this ball, I mean, it was just, I don't know what he was thinking. He boots it. Now it's 12-11. Twins still up. Next player up, little routine grounder to the third to Luis Arise, who takes it and throws to first base. Only problem is the ball is about six feet wide. First baseman. It goes down the right field line. All the runners come around. Oakland wins at 13 to 12. I remember slamming the, the TV off that day saying it's going to be. Uh, and so I remember that one very well. All right. So, one, the, one so there's a, so there's a, a exploded remote control somewhere in your house. Yeah, that was awful. <laughs> I just, oh my God, you know, I mean, we counted them. There's about five or six chances. They had to put that game away, <laughs> whether it was pitching or defense, they just could not do it. Now, my third one is involving the Pittsburgh Pirates, so I don't know if I'm stepping on any toes here or not. So You're not. Let, let me know. This is from, and you probably remember this, maybe. It's from May 27th, Pittsburgh at Chicago at Wrigley Field, known forever as Will Craig's Rundown Blunder. Yes, I watched that live. <laughs> oh, you were watching that day. <laughs> of course I was. <laughs> I wasn't. You might have mentioned it in a previous show that we did, but, you know, like a little grounder to – to a first baseman and uh, the throw, I guess, takes him off the bag a little bit. So he, he actually catches the ball uh, a few feet toward home plate. And instead of just going back and touching first base for the you know routine out, which you see every, you know, a million times every game, he actually starts chasing Javi Baez, Javier Baez, the Cubs shortstop back toward home plate. We now have a rundown between home and first. <laughs> How is that even possible? First of all, <laughs> So all he still has to do is either just go back and touch first base or just tag by or tag Baez. Yes. But the runner on third now is breaking toward home. And I guess that causes Craig to just have a brain fart or something. 
Yeah. So he, he tosses it to the catcher. Like he's got to try to get that runner at the plate. And of course the runner slides in ahead of the tag. Um, Baez, meantime, is hightailing it off toward first base, and the catcher makes a wild throw to first. And another run scores. <laughs> and another run scores. And so I think we should give Baez a stolen base of first on that one. He there stole first base. And steal first. But, but yeah, and the, <laughs> the, the Cubs are just laughing their butts off in the in the dugout. And yeah. Will Craig got DFA'd shortly thereafter. Oh, did he really? Yes. <laughs> I read he was a pretty good defensive first baseman, so he yes. wasn't like he was some kind of a – yeah. knucklehead or anything yes. that, that, that was just you know, a well, you know for the for the ages they teach in little league physical errors are fine mental errors are a big problem and that was yeah that was a mental error on yeah. a couple of fronts yeah <laughs> and so. the benny hill music was playing and <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he's gonna be on the blooper reels for the rest of his life you know? oh gosh anyway I know it was kind of trivial, but but I, I, I love why I love baseball. You see stuff like that. Yep. Stuff Outstanding. you've never seen before. Outstanding stuff. Jay, what do you got? All right, I'm gonna do the easy one first. And Joe even mentioned this. Shohei Atani. Um, you know, none of us see him play because he's on the West Coast on a bad team. But he alone was worth staying up or DVRing the Angels games just to see what he might do, and not necessarily only on the nights when he pitches. Uh, I don't know that we've ever seen a season like this. I guess Babe Ruth was the last guy, you know, <laughs> in 1919 or something like that. And that's uh, the list. But, yeah, exa- <laughs> that's your whole list. Uh, no Bobo Holloman on this list. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Shohei Otani was number one on my list. Number two was the whole pennant race in the American League East where you had four teams, basically, that could have won the division, gotten in the playoffs, bumped someone out of the playoffs, um, and then they mopped up the Orioles, uh, all four of them, and while the entire league took their turn mopping up the Orioles. But just the excitement of every night and every morning, I'd be sitting here watching Heidi Watney on quick pitch, and they would put up there the AL East standings, and you just couldn't believe it. From day to day, oh, wait, they, they're out of the playoffs now. They were in first place yesterday. <laughs> and so that entire excitement yeah. goes back to that season from, what was it, five years ago where, where the Rays won in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, you know, it was that kind of finish to the season. That's as exciting as baseball can get. Yeah, like the 67 American League, too. I always yes. reference that. I mean, but you're yes. absolutely right, Jay. That was a good one. Yeah, you're, you're the, right. Um, my third one, and this goes with the whole – uh, delighting in the misery of others, which if you're German, it's called Schadenfreude. Uh, <laughs> I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> exactly. And, and and being half German, I, I, I tend to like that. And it was not that I dislike the team, but the San Diego Padres. They spent every penny. They bought every player. They traded for every other player. And about halfway through the year, it all fell. Well, maybe August. It all fell apart to the point where they were under 500 and woeful. I mean, they happened to pick the year that the Giants were unbelievable and the Dodgers were unbelievable. But if you're under 500, it doesn't matter. You're not going to do anything. So them spending all that money and not succeeding shows that that isn't solely how you win, even in a league that by my, you know, without a salary cap, which just makes me ill. Uh, The Dodgers spend all that money, but they homegrown most of those players and 
They know how to push those pieces around and know when to trade and when to let go. They run their uh, organization strategically to make sure they're in it every year and that they win. The Padres had no idea. They just thought you would go out and spend all that money and get all these people and we'd magically win. It did not happen. And that made me very happy. <laughs> they were the anti-Braves, yes. really. I mean, everything yes. the Braves did well, the, the Padres did not. Yep. Yeah. And you, and you talk about, you know, how the Dodgers are strategic. I mean, they're probably, they probably won't re-sign Corey Seager. You're right. Yeah, you they, know? they know what they're doing. Yeah, it's a uh, that's very yeah that's pretty well. And by the way, Jay, you mentioned something that I said. Isn't quick pitch the best? Oh. I mean that you get the highlights and no debate. I know. <laughs> there, there are no talking heads. Uh, every now and then they'll throw it to a pre-recorded segment from the MLB Tonight guys, and that's fine because it's usually it's quick and to the point. It's edited and everything. Yeah. But I, I was thinking, you know, when someone said, "What TV show do you watch the most?" Well, it's quick pitch because it's on every night during the season. They repeat it for like nine hours straight. And so I watch it before I go to bed and when I get up again. And if nothing else is on in the background, I have it muted and I'm seeing the highlights. It's just so well done. And, you know, like, you know, Heidi Watney's fantastic at it. But so so are all the others. They, I mean, Jamie Hirsch is and Kelly Nash and. You know, and Alexa Dad and anyone. Lauren Gardner, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. They're all good. Yeah, you no, know, it's good. I don't watch it that often. I mean, I feel like, well, what about, you know, I need you're, to You're missing a lot. No, you know, this, this, like, this is like what Sports Center used to be. Oh, okay. You know? Okay. Yeah. That gives me an idea. Yes. So the hockey version is on the fly. And um, it's, they do the same, the MLB and NHL Network are owned by the same people. And they do it from the same building. And occasionally, uh, uh, use the same studios. Uh, so on the fly, every night, every morning, you see all the hockey highlights. It's just so well done. The business plan is great. Yeah, no, I'm uh, totally on board with that. So my f- favorite things this season, and I think, uh, yeah, we, we have we have a unanimous vote for uh, Shohei Otani. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just, it just you, words are not enough <laughs> for 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 what for what he what he has done and what he's doing now. Can he sustain it? That's going to be, you know, something to keep an eye on. But yes. uh, oh, I certainly will enjoy it while it's around. That's for that's for sure. Yep. My second one is Trey Mancini as the comeback player of the year, Good surviving one. cancer. Um, it was so wonderful seeing the, the 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 teams greeting him in spring training games mm-hmm. uh, through the course of the season. I guess he had a a brief scare in June. I was reading. Um, they thought some of his counts were off and so they retested everything was fine. And then he went yeah. on a big tear after that. Yeah. Uh, uh, God bless him. That was, a uh, you know, and, and not only did he come back, he was a heck of a player. Yeah, he like was the he best was. player on the team. Yeah. So, uh, uh, certainly, you know, if that story doesn't get you in the fields, nothing will. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. And my third, uh, will, uh, it's, I've, could I say Braves World Series? Well, I could, but I think the one of the things that that made that that happen for the Braves was getting Adam Duvall back because yeah. I was so disappointed they didn't re-sign him uh, going into the season. He signed with the Marlins. The Braves were able to trade and give get him back. They didn't have to give up capital for him. And again, this is a guy who hits nearly forty home runs every year, <laughs> and it doesn't stick with the team. I'm hoping they rectify that this time around. Yeah. Um. You know. You know, he can, you know, he can platoon. 
Uh, and, you know, and he did a fairly decent job playing center field. Uh, you know, when they ran out of options there, Christian Pache didn't work out. And uh, when they when they got the the, the new players, uh, they shifted him to center field. I thought he accounted for himself very well there. He did fine. Yeah. He, he, good choice. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's to me, he's just a good, good baseball player. Yeah. And so uh, that would be that would be my third. So, uh, you know, and something else you mentioned, too, when uh, uh, you were talking about uh, the lateness in games, I was thinking about and Joe, when you were talking about the uh, the extra inning game, did we have any in the playoffs? I don't remember. Because the ghost runner on second was not in play. I don't. I, I don't, don't think we. I'm not did. sure we did. I don't think we did. So we never got to see them play an extra inning, starting from scratch without having right. a runner on second. Then. Wow! Uh, I get the game still were four and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, no. It was because I was just, when you said that I thought, wow, we didn't have any. I could. I could. Yeah, I but you're recall. right, and it still had plenty of uh, you know long games. Never, nevertheless. Yeah. So a couple of the quick items before we start to uh, get to our TV theme. So uh, Buster Posey announcing his retirement today from San yeah. Francisco Giants. Hell of a baseball player, uh, part of their championship teams. Uh, what he win three batting titles, three World Series at least. I three think World three Series. batting titles. Yeah, yeah, uh, terrific, terrific player. Uh, so uh, you know, I, good for him. On, yeah, yep. handsome. Hats off to him. He had a he had a nice career. Yeah, I guess he was, you know, he, he had that brutal injury, which is what led to the blocking of home plates yeah. uh, getting uh, getting resolved, uh, you know. Uh, but uh, again, uh, and he played at Florida State, if I recall. Yes, he did. Um, here's the other thing. Good on him for going out now and not dragging it out. Yeah. I mean, the guy has done everything. He won three World Series and then they won 109 games this year. Um, he went out on a positive memory and, uh, you know, there's certainly, a, a, maybe a hall of fame case to be made for him. Oh, I think so. Yeah. I kind of snuck up on me, but I was more, I was looking at what he's accomplished and done. Yeah. yeah. Got a good, good case there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other item I wanted to bring up because now it's, uh, you know, it's the, it's the ugly side of baseball. The collective bargaining agreement is coming yeah. up. You know, do you think we're going to have any kind of shutdown? So uh, from what I read, there's a plausible likelihood that we will uh, from what from what I'm reading today from people who know a lot more about it than I do. I certainly hope not, given the past two years and the financial struggles and the uncertainty moving forward. I don't know, Jay, what do you think? Well, I, I think they at least smartly got it. I got, think December 6th is the drop dead date. Um, it's that week. I know that. Um, because yeah. that still gives them time, even if there is a lockout and there won't be a strike, there will be a lockout if it comes lockout. to that. Yeah. Um, it, it gives them time to work things out. And, you know, I look at it very, very selfishly, uh, being the guy who last year was the first time in 26 years he missed spring training. Um, I need that to happen. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell Me you too. this. Me too, for sure. I will yeah. be in Florida the first week of March, baseball or not, okay? But I intend to see some spring training baseball games. Um, however, that being said, you know, I'm a huge proponent, of course, of a small market team of a salary cap. And 
it, I, it, it, is, it works in the other three sports for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NBA has found a lot of loopholes around that, but still, I mean, Milwaukee won the NBA title, okay? Um, it works. It forces the teams to use a budget and work within that, and it creates, may, it may be artificial, but it creates parity. And it is what saved the National Hockey League back in 04 and 05. The players gave back a lot, but it saved the game. It made it possible that every year, you know, except for the Lightning once and the Penguins once, there aren't any back-to-back champions anymore in hockey because it's so balanced. And I think baseball needs that. And it's not just because uh, my owner is a cheapskate, and he is, and that's Bob Nutting of the Pirates. Uh, And it's not just because the Dodgers have a bazillion dollars to spend and they wave it around, uh, you know, but they're a good organization. They, they know how to do it. Um, But like I said earlier, seeing the Padres spend all that money and lose, you know, force them to be good strategic baseball teams, give them a budget, work within the budget and then see who wins. And then we're all on equal footing. So I I think there's going to be a work stoppage. But, you know, I just I don't see a salary cap coming just because I don't think the players will ever let it happen. Which is, a, you know, because look at what makes the NFL great. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there are very few lousy teams in the NFL. Yep. You know, and, and you could reasonably say of the 32, 25 probably have a chance to have a season Yep. And, and win a champion, be in yep. play for a championship. Yeah, and yep. if you are lousy one season, you usually within a season or two, you can be right up near the top. So it's not like year yes. after year after year. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're the Detroit Lions, I guess. But, well, there are there is that. <laughs> but so. they're but they're going to be bad teams yeah. no matter the yeah. sport. That's but, bad management. Yeah. So yeah, it yeah that's the one thing that, that scares me. And then yeah, you look at how this is going to impact free agency too. Uh, for sure. You know, and that's a. That's an interesting, interesting thing. You know, I'm hoping the, the the Braves will do something with Freddie before <laughs> before December. <laughs> yeah, because most teams, you know, will wait. Yeah, see what happens and then just sit on it. And so you hope, you know, like you said, Freddie Freeman, um, things like that get done. And I think in his case, it probably will because he knows he wants to be there. And the Braves, uh, you know, although they pay for talent, they don't overdo it. And you know, if they set a salary cap, it will be set ridiculously, quote, high for small market teams yeah. who have trouble getting there without just throwing money away. Yeah, no, no question. So hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, that uh, uh, that thing will get hammered out. You know, we likely will. You know, we may have seen the last hit, uh, hit swing of a bat by a pitcher uh, in this postseason. So makes uh, me sad. Yeah. Hey, uh, guys, Caesars, Caesars Sportsbook is out with the early line for the most likely World Series champion next year. You want to take a stab at who they Dodgers. have? Dodgers. Dodgers at 11 to 2. <laughs> Astros at 7 to 1. Braves at 9 to 1. Uh, further down the list, Minnesota at 80 to 1. And even further down the list, Pittsburgh at 125 to 1. It's higher Orioles. than I thought. Yeah, they're ahead of the <laughs> Orioles, Diamondbacks, and. <laughs> Another team you're close to, literally, Texas Rangers. the Rangers at 150 to one. Yeah, they're they're a year or two ahead of those folks when it came to the bottoming out process. Yeah. So, uh, and they've got some people in the minors that uh, are looking good. Of course, they're all at high A ball now. So, give it time. Give it time. Yep. <laughs> yes. Uh, hard to be patient in today's uh, <laughs> yes, landscape. It, is. it really Definitely. is. 
It really is. All right, so guys, ready to do some TV themes? Let's do it. Yes, sir. Okay, let's, uh, Joe, let's go with yours first. Here it is. All right, Joe, tell us about your selection. Well, I would I would describe this show as optimistic, altruistic, thoughtful and thought provoking Four pretty good ingredients uh, for any good show. And so the one I came up with, and I think both of you guys had heard of it, maybe even watched it back in the day, yes. uh, Joan of Arcadia which ran on CBS for a mere two seasons from September of 2003 until April of 2005. Described Very good as, show. Uh, yeah. Yes. Described as a fantasy family drama television series in which the um, lead uh, character, uh, a character by the name of Joan Girardi, played by uh, Amber Tamblin. She's excellent. Yes, she was. She really was. And it is. Um, but she encounters God and the personage of different people during every episode. Uh, God takes the form of a, just an average everyday person. It might be some guy on a bus. It might be the lady sweeping the floors at the school. In fact, there's just a long list of different uh, incarnations of God. Uh, there was the little girl God, the old lady God, the cute guy God, the goth kid God, the twin girl God, the video assignment God, a butcher God, the chess player God. I'm not going to bore you too much, but this just goes on and on and on. And of course, the idea here is that God has a message or a challenge for her, which she cannot perceive the relevance of necessarily, but ultimately leads to some sort of uh, higher understanding of purpose uh, and, a, and, a, and a kind of a very thoughtful ending. And of course, it starts in the pilot. Uh, God appears to, to the Amber Tamblin's character and reminds her that she promised to do anything he wanted if he would just let her brother survive a car crash that had left him a paraplegic. And of course, the uh, the brother in this case was played by Jason Ritter. Yes. The, uh, son of the late actor, John Ritter. And it was a, it was a wonderful cast in that, in that series, some well-known names. Her parents were Joe Montagna and Mary Steenburgen played, played the mother. It was quirky. It was uh, uh, well thought out and, and very different, I think, uh, than, than most other shows I certainly saw on network television, certainly 15, 15 years ago. Um, God quotes Bob Dylan, Emily Dickinson, and the Beatles rather than any scripture or verses, and it's portrayed <laughs> with a very human personality, with a sense of humor, with a yes. sense of humor. <laughs> so um, so it, was, it was really a great show, well-received. You know, it won some awards, was nominated for several Emmys, but ultimately... Um, didn't make it past the second season due to the uh, due to the ratings game. But I, I, my wife and I used to watch it religiously uh, <laughs> <laughs> on Friday nights on CBS. Uh, we, we, we still have fond memories of that uh, yeah. of that series. And in, I was going to say in CBS fashion, you know, CBS has hung on to the Hawaii theme in their dramas. They hung on to the God theme as well. 
because that was on after Ghost Whisperer had finished its run. And Ghost Whisperer had come on after, and I can't think of the name of it. It was on Sunday nights, and Della Reese was in it. I remember, oh, yeah. What was the that? Irish lady, uh, yeah. red hair? I'm sorry, I can't think of her name right. Oh, now. Something Lordy. Angel, something, yeah, yeah something along. Yeah, I. I so everyone said, "Well, Joan of Arcadia is just the next one." Well, guess what? It was totally different. It was quirky. It was modern. It was funny. So it was just a great show. Absolutely. Yeah, and the, and the uh, theme and the theme song was great too. That was yes. Um, you know, the music still resonates after all these years, and it was a tune recorded back in 95 by Joan Osborne, the singer Joan Osborne, one of us. Yep. And then, then I, I read where she re-recorded a slightly less intense version of the key lyrics uh, for the, uh, for the show. Uh, but yeah, a great, great tune and a great series. I became aware of the show because of the song. Ah. Uh, the song was a huge hit on alternative radio mm -hmm. in the mid nineties. And I, and I bought the CD. Okay. Just for that song. And then I heard it on TV one night and I went by and I watched Joan of Arcadia. It was just a great show. And there it was. Yep. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. An awesome cast too, as you said as well. All right, Jay, we've got your selection and here it is. On your head, no, 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 don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Jay, tell us about your selection. Uh, you know, I discovered the show Beretta through my mother. Um, 
It's a mid-70s show, 75 to 78 on ABC, I believe. Yeah, it was on ABC. And my mother watched the show because of the theme song. Because it's just so well orchestrated and put together. And that unmistakable Sammy Davis Jr. Little star power behind that. (laughs) Yes. Keep your eye on the sparrow. But what's funny is Beretta was actually a spinoff of a failed other show on ABC called Toma. Um, Toma had only been on a couple of years and Tony Masante, who was the star of Toma, said, I'm leaving. And they canceled the show. So they recast Robert Blake in the lead and we're going to call him Toma. And they decided Toma was not a good show. So we're going to use the same premise, but move the, the show to California and run it around Robert Blake. And it became Beretta. And the show was really well done. And, you know, two mid 70s, I'm stunned it's not a Quinn Martin production, but, it, you know, it was one of those. It was probably too cool to be a Quinn Martin production. Let's put it that way. But, you know, 75 to 78 on ABC, uh, Robert Blake, you know, with his arrogant, cocky, blue collar attitude. Um, and after watching him on Greta, uh, everyone thought he was guilty in shooting his ex-wife um, just because of the way he played the part. And, and, you know, he's Robert Blake was on the Little Rascals. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that sh- shows you how far back he goes and he doesn't take any, you know, what from anybody. So uh, I was, I was intrigued because my mother loved the theme song. And so do I just a great song. And I love the bird. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That was the only person he liked was the bird. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and also uh, a few catchphrases came out of that show as well. Oh my God. Uh, you could take that to the bank. Take that to the bank, yes. Yeah, and that's the name of that tune. Yep. And uh, uh, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. the time. Oh, that's yeah, right. And I just forgot Dana Elkar was in there too, just the first season. Oh, wow. As the, as the inspector, but that's about it. I mean, I... You know, otherwise you haven't heard of any of these people. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, we watched Beretta all the time. I, I I enjoyed it. Yeah, back in the back in the day. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that was a good show, and uh, gotta love that uh, that '66 uh, Chevrolet Impala. Yes, <laughs> two miles to the gallon. <laughs> Just about. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, that was outstanding. Again, it was again, of course, and uh, the the theme song is said by done by Sammy Davis Jr. was also released as a single. Yes, it was. And hard to believe on ABC Records. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have thought of that? And then I guess the other thing I saw was that um, uh, was, was it was Michael Eisner yes. who helped redevelop uh, this show yes. uh, from its old incarnation. Yes. Yeah, Eisner didn't didn't he go on to work uh, for some well known uh, some Mickey Mouse theme, organization? Theme park, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, dude. What's going on with that? Yeah, and uh, and how many seasons did it run? It ran Three. four seasons, three, four, oh, four total, four total. Yeah, okay, absolutely. okay, inclusively, yeah, yeah. So uh, good stuff, and uh, it wasn't a Quinn Martin production, but uh, one of probably the early ones for uh, Stephen Cannell. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. yeah he good developed one. a formula, didn't he? Yes. So uh, that, that was one of his stepping stones to all the, all the shows yep. that he would end up doing. So 
outstanding stuff. So great stuff with the TV theme. So, uh, oh, by the way, uh, touched by an angel was the Della Reese. Okay. Thank you. I had to look that up. It was driving me crazy. I got one. I got one of the words right in the title. Yeah, you were you were on. I knew you were just about had it there. Oh, on the tip of the tongue. Uh, <laughs> outstanding stuff, guys. Always always enjoy doing that. And of course, now I guess we have to uh, kind of exhale and be a little depressed that there's no more baseball till till March. But uh, well, Jay, we'll see you in March. Yes, you will. Baseball or not, you will see me in March. We'll go, we'll go sit outside of a of spring training baseball stadium, whether there's a game there or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think we, we I think we have to make an agenda for uh, a visit to uh, the Braves spring training home. It's phenomenal. Yeah, I just yeah, you got to go there, Jeff. I haven't been, but I, there's no excuse for you not doing. I mean, two years ago when we went, there was the first year open, and my friend Dan went with me, and we both said. This goes to the top of the list. Wow. That's how great it is. <laughs> that's that's outstanding. I mean, I miss being in here in Orlando for obvious yeah. reasons. Yes. Because uh, uh, it's a little far. But, uh, yeah, I think I can work that in. And I got to make my first trip to Truist Park. That's uh, – Yeah. You know, so hopefully we'll be beyond some of the uh, the, the the back end of the stuff of uh, yep. that hindered us the last couple of years. And uh, maybe I can make a trip up there for that. So, uh, guys, as always – Thanks for being on. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. Jeff. Really appreciate this. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.